This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? You know, just hanging out, watching movies, as usual. We are continuing our horror extravaganza with our final De Palma film, Body Double, from 84. Yeah, this is my first time watching this movie. You, you've told me about it several times in the past, but uh, this was the first time I've, I've actually sat down and watched it, and it's quite good. So we've done Just to Kill, done Blowout, now Body Double. So which is your favorite of the three, you think? Where does this rank? Ooh, they're all, they're all really good quality movies. There's not a lot to separate them quality-wise, I think. I think they're all pretty even. I almost want to say this is my favorite, though. Body yeah. Double. Just slightly. Like, it's not a huge step down. It's, it's very close. And if you ask me on a, another day, if I rewatch them all, like, it might change. Like, they're that close. Um, but definitely worth watching all of them. Yeah, I still think Blowout is his best film. But I think I enjoy watching this one more. It's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of elements that he uses in all three. Like there's... Dennis Franz. Yep. <laughs> Dennis Franz. <laughs> there are scenes of people being followed in public places. Yep. <laughs> there's there's shower scenes. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a whole lot of stuff that he kind of just... You know, he has signatures that he uses in every movie. Cat so, and mouse chase scenes with steady cams. Exactly. So like, you get kind of the same elements in everything in every movie. It's just kind of like which story uh, are you attracted to the most? Like mm-hmm. I, I, And they're all very Hitchcock-y. I'm you very attracted about? to this story, Body Double. <laughs> I can see why. I wonder how many Body Doubles they used in this movie. You think they used a Body Double for Melanie Griffith? Uh, they did not. You, you could tell because her face is in the scene. And yeah, I was wondering about that uh, mistletoe tattoo. I'm like, is that, that must be Melanie's real tattoo or something that she well, brought that was, for the character. Well, it was a Holly tattoo, right? Because her name was Holly Body. It was Holidays. Is this mistletoe? Yeah, I guess I could see that. Well, I'm saying like it's, it's a bow of Holly. I thought it was just a mistletoe. I don't know. I just assumed that it corresponded with her name. Yeah, it could be. I didn't think of that, uh, the Holly part of it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't go through the trivia yet. We'll go through it later. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I believe you that they did not use a body double for her because you can see her face in the shot. And mm-hmm. I don't think they had the technology in 1984 to composite somebody else's face uh, on somebody else's body 
Yeah, uh, De Palma uh, met several times with a adult film actress, kind of picking her brain, but also kind of setting her up to take the role of Holly. And uh, he brought her in for an audition, which was kind of a big no-no. Even, you know, by this time, he'd already done Scarface and Blowout and all these movies, and he was a big success. But he still didn't have, I guess, the pull that you would need to do some pull off something like this because it was like a big to do like the executives are like did you bring a porn actress into this under the studio lot this is outrageous like they <laughs> still too, like too risque <laughs> like they still let him go through with it and he did end up auditioning her i guess it ended up being a problem of like you know she wasn't used to <laughs> more traditional acting <laughs> and he said the main problem with her was it's almost like she lost the ability to be flirtatious on screen. Oh yeah. So that was kind of like the main problem. Uh, he said, Melanie Griffith was about uh, the only actor who auditioned or at least did a, a screen test. Just figured it's going to have to be an adult film star because there's so much nudity in this role. Right. And and Nancy Allen was out of the picture. <laughs> she was out of the picture by this point. <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of talking about that earlier. Like, imagine what this movie would be like with Nancy Allen in that role. Cause you know, for sure she would be in that role. <laughs> yeah, it is. It does kind of seem tailor-made for her. <laughs> he probably wrote it in 81 when they were still together, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I guess uh, the script had been around for at least a, a few years. So I'm sure he had her in mind, but uh, he knew Melody Griffith through Stephen Bauer on uh, Scarface because she was married to Stephen Bauer at the time and they had just done Scarface together. So that's how they met and uh, they were friends and he was talking to her uh, kind of just in passing about the, the role and how you know, no serious actress is going to take it. And she's like, well, what about me? I'll do it. She was comfortable <laughs> with him. And so she did the screen test and uh, the rest is history. And she is fantastic in here <laughs> in more ways than one. I forget. Is she the one that was in Roar? Yeah. <laughs> with, with her mother. <laughs> She's like, after Roar, I'll do anything. Take my clothes off. Just don't put me on screen with wild lions. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't have a lion gnaw off my face. I forgot and how many stitches stitches she needed to uh, uh stitch her face back on base or her scalp it's like her scalp got taken off <laughs> don't don't let a lion maul me and then give it a writing credit <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy movie yeah because that was with her mother uh, tippy hedron of the birds fame yes it was probably like De Palma just like picked her brain. Like, Hey, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. Tell me about your mom. He's probably just <laughs> fanboyed with her. Like the whole time. Oh, I bet. It's like, is your mom still, are you still close to your mom? I know you did that lion movie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, does she have any Hitchcock stories? Like, uh, did she tell you any, anything about him? Like, how would he shoot this scene? <laughs> the scene with the peeper <laughs> yeah because tippy hedron was married to noel marshall at the time who uh yeah was 
go to the main guy behind Roar and thought it was a good idea. Uh, if those of you out there who haven't seen or heard of the movie called Roar from 81, <laughs> seek it out. It's something to see once. <laughs> I mean, you might be compelled to watch it again just to just to verify that it actually happened. <laughs> that that what you saw was real. 70 cast and crew members were injured from filming this movie because they filmed it with dozens of live lions and tigers and all these dangerous animals. <laughs> it's like a family that lived with all these animals in Africa and it it's, does not go well. It's literally dozens of big wild cats just wandering in and out of each scene. Yeah, they're not trained at all. Just like amb- ambling in and out and once in a while like they'll they'll play attack somebody <laughs> but like they got these claws and teeth and shits and they don't know their own strength and then they got a re- they gave them all uh, all the cats a writing credit there's and, like and other it's real there's other scenes where the lions are getting territorial with one another and they're like fighting for real and Noel Marshall's like here let me go try and break this up <laughs> you do need a timeout but yeah melanie griffith got her uh scalp almost taken all the way off well that's why her hair is so short and body double is still is just growing back (laughs) probably (laughs) i don't know that that might not be true (laughs) i guess we should get to the details here and then we can get into more fun facts and talk all about Body Double. Came out in 84, directed by Brian De Palma, also written by Brian De Palma and Robert J. Average, Everick, starring Craig Wasson as Cuck. Oh, I'm sorry, Jake. That's the name. Jake Scully. <laughs> so the... <laughs> Because the movie starts out and he, he sees a cuck and he acts like a cuck like the whole movie. <laughs> but there's a there's a term for that in Hollywood. It's called vulnerability. This actor Craig Wasson shows great vulnerability. Because <laughs> I was watching I was watching some of the special features. It was on a, a UK Blu-ray. I had to get Powerhouse Films because uh, there isn't really a lot of good American copies. But anyways, De Palma's talking about, I uh, really, I saw Greg, Craig Wasson and Four Friends is what it's called. And he's like, yeah, he just brought this great vulnerability to the role. So <laughs> like, oh, is that what you call it? Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> this Craig Wasson guy is, he's in a Nightmare on Elm Street 3. He's Neil Gordon. He's in Four Friends, which I've not seen. Um, and then he has a lot of bit parts. And then basically by... The 90s, he starts doing straight to video stuff. He's kind of been doing that ever since. Yeah. I he yeah. reminds me of a young Bill Maher just in his looks. Yeah. Had a hard time, yeah. had a hard time not thinking of him as as Bill Maher from 1984. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh his last credit was in 2006 in a little film called Sasquatch Mountain, which he uh he did right after Aquila and the Bee with Denzel. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Aquila and the Bee was actually like, uh, it was not up for awards and shit. Yeah, that, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it was with Denzel, and it was like a major release. 
which is so, so strange. The That was the second to last credit. He was on two episodes of the TV series, Dangerous Minds. Mm. And he must have just retired from acting because he's still alive. Four and 54. Maybe he went into hardcore and it's not as IMDb. <laughs> we'll talk about how easily he just flips the switch and goes to porn mm-hmm. <laughs> during the movie, his character. Uh, back to the cast Melanie Griffith as Holly Greg Henry as Sam Deborah Shelton as Gloria Guy Boyd as Jim McLean Dennis Franz as Reuben David Haskell as the drama teacher Barbara Crampton as Carol you know Barbara Crampton from uh, Reanimator yes she's very popular on the Twitter I think Mm-hmm. A lot of 80s horror films and just a lot of horror films today. I don't remember who Carol was in the cast, though. Yeah. I guess it's just someone that worked on the uh, one of the many films within the film, but the main vampire one. Vampire's Kiss, I believe it is what it's called. Which is funny because so Nick Cage is in Vampire's Kiss, right? And that comes out, what, a year later? Let's see. I think it- I want to say it was later than that, but uh, I don't remember. 80, 88. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking, 88. But it's like we we watched, was it Blowout? And they talk about Bordello of Blood. And that, that was a real script at the time. And then it came out. You know, it was that uh, Tales of the Crypt movie. Right. And then uh, they're doing a movie called Vampire's Kiss. And then it comes out a few years later starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I think the Cage movie is based on a book too. So maybe the book was out. Have you seen that the Cage movie? No, I haven't. I want to. It, it's probably my favorite Nicolas Cage performance. And you know me, I'm not I'm not a big Nicolas Cage fan. Yeah. And uh it's it's out there. <laughs> Just a little bit. His accent changes throughout the movie <laughs> for no apparent reason. Well, I think that'll do it for the cast. So I didn't notice it, but it was Stephen Bauer who was the assistant director on that uh, Holly Does Hollywood. Oh, okay. Although that's, I'm thinking of the Frankie Goes to Hollywood scene because that definitely wasn't Stephen Bauer, I don't think. So it must have been in the background or I'm not sure. I guess it's a blink and you'll miss it. Stephen Bauer cameo because he was yeah married to an Eleni. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think because they Holly does Hollywood was already out, mm-hmm. like like he went and rented it at the store, so it must have been with like the movie within the movie, not the uh, not the scene that he ended up shooting. Yeah. All right, uh, synopsis. A young actor's obsession with spying on a beautiful woman who lives nearby leads to a baffling series of events with drastic consequences. So this film starts out with another horror movie, movie within a movie, just like uh, Blowout. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I couldn't tell if it was a movie or like a, like a poor man's Billy Idol music video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't put two and two together that jake was the the vampire until like the very end of the movie I'm like why is this important i don't get what 
Actually, no, it was when he went and uh, confronted him about getting fired. So, like, middle of the movie, I figured out, okay. oh, this scene's actually important. <laughs> like, yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, I guess I don't need to care about this. But <laughs> well, it's not we'll... it's not too long after that scene that he goes to the acting class where he has the same problem. Right. But like, he's in full makeup. He's got a blonde wig on, and he's got all this makeup and fangs and shit. Mm-hmm. And like he's in a graveyard and uh, he gets claustrophobic, you know, during the scene and they send him home. And then like they cut the, the Jake picking up wieners on his way to, <laughs> to his house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and like, it didn't even like I couldn't even like put get my mind around that that was the same guy <laughs> that they sent home at the beginning of the movie. Like I, I don't know why I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I feel dumb after you know after finding that yeah. out. I'm like, what is this scene in the, that they're starting with? This has nothing to do with anything, you know. But it's very important. <laughs> Comes up multiple times. Yeah, I'm interested actually to know, since this was your first time watching this. When did you know that it was Sam, his friend, behind everything? That he was the Indian and was it very apparent right away or just were you kind of a little surprised at the end? Um, I would say I, I probably figured out like in the scene where they, they ended up explaining it. So like, like the Indian looked weird, right? Because like, yeah. Like when they do a close up, it was like that that's not a real face. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it looks weird. Mm-hmm. And then he's got that that goofy ponytail, that loose ponytail. Yeah. But like it didn't really occur to me that oh Sam is setting this all up until like he starts like I think it was in the scene where he had Holly over and she was talking about how she got paid to do the dance. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, and then he started putting two and two together. Like, oh shit! Well, yeah, that was uh, it was Sam. But like, it was it was right around the same time that they kind of explained everything too. Yeah, because I, I first saw this when I was fifteen or so. Remember, my uncle had it on VHS, and I'd be hanging out <laughs> with my cousin a lot. We'd always like watch movies, and I always wanted to watch Body Double because I was at that age where. Like you see a movie with a, a cover like that and you go, this movie's got tits. We got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we watched it and I don't know, you know, all the meta stuff just went over my head, you know, as a, as a young lad, but yeah, like watching it now or like I hadn't seen it in, I want to say 15 years. So I probably saw it around like 2000 or something, uh-huh. 2001. And I last saw it probably five years ago, maybe six years ago. And so I knew that, you know, Sam was behind everything or if his real name's uh, Alex Ravel or whatever. Yeah. But looking like watching it, knowing who who's behind everything is like very apparent that, okay, so that is a very fake looking, you know, uh, Indian mask. <laughs> and it was like, it's like the same body type as sam even though like at the end he has a prosthetic chest and belly yeah and he uh i guess i i read that uh greg uh, henry also wore like three or four inch lifts in those uh shoes so he's even taller 
Yeah. But I just like it didn't seem four inches taller than Greg Henry. So like yeah. I just couldn't separate the two watching it again. It's like, oh, this is so <laughs> obvious. And plus, you know, it's HD, so everything's so clear. Right. Like on VHS or watching the theater, I think you could get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. But now watching it's just it's very obvious. <laughs> That maybe it's not you know Sam, but it's it's definitely not an Indian. <laughs> What's well, funny too? He's like, it was the Indian. It was the Indian that did it. <laughs> was it? You think they stole that from like the fugitive? You know, the one-armed <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and like the like the first time he's watching her basically by himself. And, you know, the husband comes home and slaps her around. Like, he's just, like, covering his face the whole time as he's walking past the windows. It's, like, so out of place. It's like, why is he wearing a hat? And he's, like, covering his face every time he walks by the window. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. But, yeah, uh, there's definitely something up with that dude's face. I don't know. It was like uh, it looked like the surface of the moon, but then like when his like face, like then his eyes were like real sunken in, like it like it looked like the mask wasn't like flush. Yeah. Know? And then uh, like his face didn't move like a normal person's face. He kind of looked like a burn victim actually. But uh, yeah, I I don't know if I no I, I I didn't I didn't put two and two together that Sam was the one and you know, behind everything until they started kind of figuring out that uh, they hired a a porn star to dance as the wife. And then like Mm -hmm. she was hired by Sam and then you start putting all the clues together and then they confirmed it, you know, shortly thereafter. Yeah. I was just curious. I'd probably be the same way. I'm not sure. That's why I wanted to know (laughs) like what you found (laughs) out. Cause if I watch this, the clean slate nowadays, I don't know if I, maybe know that it was Sam, but it's also suspicious. Like he just left town and now he's as a guy with his type. And this is a very meta movie. So he's using, you know, movie, you know, the, the magic of the movies, you know, the, <laughs> the makeup and whatnot. And, but uh, yeah, very, uh, very Hitchcockian, of course. And uh, soups meta, you know, watching the, some of the special features De Palma talked a lot about how, you know, you can't always believe what you see. And especially with the the way he's peeping on the neighbor with that big telescope, you know, it's a big lens, right? Well, don't right. be fooled by the illusion the lens creates, just like with, you know, filmmaking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he has a claustrophobic episode in a coffin, basically. And can't finish the scene dennis franz says you know what it's okay there's a fire on set anyways <laughs> we lost uh, our son we can't do it without the sun because <laughs> it started everything on fire. <laughs> speaking of dennis franz um he modeled his performance after brian de palma because he called dennis franz up and was like hey uh, i want you to do this uh this role in the movie and they were like well we're we're trying to shy away from the you know like the cop roles and whatnot so he goes i'll play this part this director but uh only if i can play you and so they got like a green jacket that i guess De palma would always wear when he's directing so he's dressed like De palma and i guess he's acting like De palma 
Really, he's just acting like Dennis Franz. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's not a very good actor. (laughs) His intention. It's a Chicago version of De Palma. He might have intended to act like De Palma, but he could only act like Dennis Rance. So, yeah, like you said, he uh, stops on the way home to uh, get a wiener. Um, I also wanted to point out how you know, we talk about this movie's meta. I do really like how they blend like reality with the film world. It's like he's trying to drive off the lot and there's all those people walking past him with the backdrops. Right. You know, make it look like he's always going to drive off into the sunset. And then, oh, no, it's fake. <laughs> Somebody's moving it. And then he drives off. And, but it's kind of cool. How they blend reality throughout the whole film. But yeah, he picks up some meat and uh, goes home and <laughs> finds his uh, girlfriend uh, having sex with another dude. Yes. And he can't and kick her out because it's her apartment. It's her apartment. Because <laughs> he's a working actor and he's got no money. Because he's vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got stuff to do. He's got to go to some interviews. No auditions, just interviews. And then... Uh, Runs into his friend and his friend's friend, Sam, mm-hmm. who just happens to show up at every single one of them, as we find out later. You know, they don't really show it at this point. And in fact, Sam just wanders into their acting class where he's not even a member, which is, uh, this is a pretty important scene for the rest of the movie because we find out that uh, Jake is claustrophobic due to some childhood trauma in the game sardine <laughs> which i have never heard of it sounds like hide and seek but like they just call it sardine for some reason like what 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 happens when they find them they <laughs> yeah apparently this is a game that De palma played when he was a kid and this was a real thing that happened to him basically and it is our first clip i remember that uh, it was dark really black and uh i was just a little kid um and the the wall behind me was cold and damp and uh i was hiding i was oh yeah i was part of this uh, game sardine i was it and i was hiding and uh everybody was looking for me Mm -hmm. and the other was humming because i was behind the freezer in the basement had jammed myself in so hard behind the freezer that uh, I couldn't move. Uh, I'm afraid. Uh-huh. What are you afraid of? They're not going to find me. But they're not supposed to find you. But I'm afraid because I can't move. Well, why don't you cry out? I'm afraid. Besides, I'm the sardine, and they're not supposed to find me. Now, particularize that. Who can't find you? My brothers. They were they're bigger than me, and they uh, first time they ever let me play. But if they're your brothers, they want to help you, right? No, 
No, they won't let me play again. They're bigger than you, aren't they? Yeah. Will they hurt you? Yes. How? They'll laugh at me for getting stuck behind the freezer and for crying out for help. A big baby. That's right. You are a baby. I know. Yeah. And you're afraid. Yeah. You must act. I can't. I'm, I'm afraid. You'll never escape. I don't know. You'll die. Yeah. <sighs> Bullshit! You've got to act! Fuck the fear! You've got to cry out for help! Come on, use your body! Cry for help! Come on! you to cry out. I can't. I'm a sardine. How am I supposed to? Sardines in a can are dead. They can't feel. They can't be afraid. But you're alive and afraid. You're not a goddamn dead sardine. Big sound cake. Cry out. Leave the guy alone. Do not interrupt this exercise. Come on, Jake. This looks like a mind fuck to me. Look at Sam being all uh, sympathetic to Jake and the trauma that he's being forced to relive for this horrible Hollywood (laughs) acting coach. Never was actor. Are you even uh... in this class? (laughs) His new best friend, Sam Bouchard. Just coincidentally, he has a home to sublet, and Jake is in the market. Yeah. Um, Tabum also talked about how, you know, when he was just starting out, he, you know, he did a little acting, took some acting classes, and he wasn't very good at it and went into the directing, of course. But a lot of the actors talk that I hear talk about this movie, they mentioned how it, it was very much relatable to their struggles as an actor and you know a young struggling actor and the things that you come across and one of them is like uh an acting coach who thinks he's like god's gift to acting you know they, right. they think like they're these big gurus basically and they can just so, like that guy was like kind of acting like he was a, a therapist or a psychologist so like, you're not qualified for any of that <laughs> he was trying to teach the method the method uh technique Mm -hmm. right yeah pull from your own your own experiences i forget he had a slogan on the board is like think feel i I don't know i don't think it was this exactly it was like think feel remember act yeah maybe visualize maybe was one of them or something like that yeah it ended with act yeah so jake could do everything except for act so he's like the whole time he's telling that story he's like rubbing his shoulders Trying to get to relax, do like the it's like he's a massage therapist, right? Because he's getting real into it. <laughs> but Jake, he just 
clams up every time he gets into a tight spot or thinks about being in a tight spot. He just just locks down. He can't speak, can't scream, can't act. He's just frozen with the fear. I have that problem in uh, nightmares. Pretty much any time there's like some sort of a, a nightmare I have with a horror scenario, like a horror film scenario, like a killer's after me or... Maybe I'm uh, trying to save somebody who's going to be killed or something like that or hurt. It's like I'll need to cry out, but I can't. Like just ah, like nothing comes out. I'm just like frozen every time. Good thing you don't live on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be the easiest of of kills for Freddy. You probably won't even make the cut. It would be so so easy. <laughs> Like, yeah. we, we can't have this in the movie we gotta cut it this guy's way too vulnerable <laughs> it would be like in no holds barred when the uh the neanderthal guy comes out of the bathroom and looks at uh how was it ordway and uh unger is that his name unger and ordway and he looks at their tiny teeny wieners and he says <laughs> It ain't even worth it. And then he walks away. That's what Freddie would be like and <laughs> if he came to kill you. <laughs> it's not even fun. Where's the fun? He's not fighting back. He's not screaming. Too easy. It's not worth it. All right. So uh, from there, uh, what, we go to the back to the bar that he was already at once and yelled at the bartender. Because apparently like he's trying to live sober i guess so i thought yeah. you were a bartender like what are you <laughs> you know read me the riot act for he goes there with sam and they get to talking and he needs a place to live and sam coincidentally is house sitting for somebody who's in europe for months at a time very mm-hmm. mysterious no specifics and uh sam's got a gig up in seattle so he needs uh he needs somebody to watch the house for him for five uh, five weeks, I believe it was, and then uh, water the plants. And uh, just coincidentally, like we said, Jake is looking for a place to stay. And what what are the odds that they'd find each other? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, talk about this awesome house. You know, I was just thinking they, they made it seem like Sam's been uh, planning this shit for like weeks or months, but he just coincidentally met Jake that day, like the day that Jake was uh, catching his girlfriend cheating. Yeah. Do you think Sam set up the girlfriend to cheat? I don't like, know. Like how elaborate is this scheme? It kind of falls apart when you think about it that much. Yeah. But uh, it's also kind of fun to to imagine, like just how deep it gets. I mean, I, I don't think it goes that deep. Because I think if it did, there would also be, there'd be enough information to establish a clear motive, which there is not. Right. We have no idea why he wants to kill his wife. Like no inkling whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Other than, I don't I Just felt like maybe, killing. <laughs> maybe money or maybe she's just a bitch to him. Or I don't know. <laughs> she is a beautiful woman dropping her used panties in the public uh, trash cans at the mall um i guess we could discern that it's because she's cheating on him you know she's talking to somebody on the phone at the mall and it can't be 
her husband because he's there in Indian costume. Well, and she wants to talk about how the husband is beating her again. Yeah. But whoever's on the other end isn't interested. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty ingenious on Sam's part to call him while he's watching him through the telescope. Yeah. Because he makes that call from the bedroom because he's in his Indian makeup. The shades might have still been drawn. I can't remember if he opened them yet or not, but it's right before the murder. Right. Um, anything else before we get into the house? Well, let's talk about that spaceship that he had up in the hills. Mm-hmm. It's called the Chemosphere, and it has a pretty interesting history. So apparently it's classified as a modernist home. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, designed by John Lautner in 1960. And it was once called by the Encyclopedia Britannica as the most modern home built in the world. Uh, the building stands on the San Fernando Valley side of the Hollywood Hills. It's just off Mulholland Drive. It's a one-story octagon with around 2,200 square feet of uh, living space. Uh, the house is perched atop a five-foot-wide concrete column, nearly 30 feet high. So this innovative design was Lautner's solution to the site that, with a slope of 45 degrees, was thought to be practically unbuildable. Now, I mean, you look at some of those houses in San Francisco, you think those have got to be around 45 degrees. They just kind of cut into the dirt, don't they? <laughs> right. I don't know how they do the foundation on those things, but they might just, you know, dig into the hill. And like half of it's underground. Yeah. This house, the chemosphere has a, a concrete pedestal, which it sits on, which is almost 20 feet in diameter. It's buried under the earth and it supports the column. And so that has allowed the house to survive earthquakes and storms. And I also learned a new, a new term, I guess a $5 word I can use for the podcast. Uh, the house is reached by a funicular which I didn't know that was the term for like that tram type elevator that goes up and down to the yeah, house. I have never heard that word before in my life. Funicular. <laughs> F-U-N-I-C-U-L-A-R. Never heard of it. <laughs> so the chemosphere is bisected by a central exposed brick wall with a fireplace uh, abutted by a subdued seating in the middle. And a rotating circular bed. <laughs> So obviously the, all the outside shots were shot on location, but uh, all the stuff inside, you know, they rebuilt it on a, on a soundstage and I guess it was pretty much a duplicate, except they made everything a little bigger so they could fit cameras in it and whatnot. That makes sense. Uh, so the lot had been given to a young aerospace engineer by his father-in-law. Um, the engineer Leonard Malin was determined to live there. He only had 30000 to spare. The cost to build Chemosphere was uh, 140000 which is $1.22 million in 2020, which still seems very cheap for that sort of house. With everything that goes into it, right? you'd think that would be at least five mil, 10 mil. So there's a lot of other boring like technical stuff, like what it was subsidized partly by this company and this company, but... Um, so the Malins and the four children lived there until rising costs and the demise of the aerospace industry forced them to sell in 72. 76, the house's second owner, Dr. Richard Kuhn, 
was stabbed to death there in a robbery by his homosexual lover and another man. The pair were subsequently convicted and sentenced to life in prison. So there's already a murder at that house. It's a murder house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by 97, the interior had become run down as if for over 10 years it had been rented out and used for parties. And as a result, the interior finishes it undergone major and anachronistic uh, alteration because of its unique design, it proved to be a difficult to sell and set on the market for most of its time as a rental property. Since 98, it has been the LA home of Benedict Taskin of the German publishing house Taskin, which I've never heard of, or Tetchen, I, I don't know. He is, he's had the house restored. It's currently a, a high cost of maintenance, but uh, suppose you know that getting into it. Uh, it has been featured in a 1964 episode of The Outer Limits called The Duplicate Man. Uh, this was the first kind of feature film it was used in. It inspired a house in 2000's Charlie's Angels. And uh, this is the one that you and I both remember, Troy McClure's house uh, in <laughs> Springfield on The Simpsons, <laughs> his hilltop mansion. Because that's where... I had seen something like this before, before seeing the movie. Right. And I didn't know it was from body double because I hadn't seen it yet, but yeah, that's the episode where he marries uh, Marge's sister, Selma yeah. as a way to boost his career <laughs> <laughs> and quell the, the rumors that he's a homosexual. <laughs> it appears apparently in the end credits of the 2015 Disney fantasy film, Tomorrowland starring George Clooney. I have no intention of seeing that ever. Neither do I. Why did they make that movie? Like, there's just like, we got a theme park that we need to convert into a movie. Like, every theme park at Disneyland gets a movie. <laughs> I guess. You mentioned Jungle Cruise, right? Because that just came out. Well, Jungle Cruise, I think, was the most recent. I was going to say, was it was it jealous of, like, the Haunted Mansion? Like, Yeah. Like, <laughs> So Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean was, uh, God, what else is there? I forget. But anyways, let's not <laughs> bore ourselves with shitty Disney movies. Rick Flair called himself Space Mountain for about 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe he was accused of sexual harassment? <laughs> Rick Flair? <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> So back to body double. So yeah, uh, Sam brings him up to the chemosphere. They don't call it that in there, of course, but um, yeah, he's shown him around the house. Then he shows him the house's best feature, which is a telescope. Because apparently every night, one of the neighbors uh, puts on a show for herself and I guess anyone watching <laughs> and uh, dances and masturbates, basically. Yes. Puts on a bunch of jewelry to do it. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, just to the nines in those 90s. <laughs> that's normal. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure that's normal. And he doesn't uh, question it either. He's like, she does this every night, like clockwork. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, sold. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little wishy washy at first. Like this <laughs> awesome space age home for free. 
then Sam's like, I gotta go. Like, I'm gonna miss my flight. And and Jake's just like with one hand, just kind of waves him away as he's staring into the <laughs> telescope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, don't don't hurry back. I'll be good. So then I think it is it cuts to the next night where he's by himself and he's just like drinking beer, watching TV, and he's like watering the plants and He's like, yeah, let's check out the telescope. See if, see if my favorite neighbor's up. Right. This is the one where we talk about the husband's there with the the hat on, and mm-hmm. he's he's pulling money out of the safe and the behind the mirror on the wall. And you assume it's the husband. Like, well, I, I guess at first I didn't realize it was the husband, but like I guess it is. Like I thought somebody had just broken in. Yeah. And then, uh, he just like backhand backhands her. So, uh, I mean, that, that builds the suspicion. And then later she's like, oh, did my husband hire you? Cause like, I guess the husband been hiring people to, to fucking, uh, follow kill her, her off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a thing that they do, you know? Yeah. He, he sees her, uh, get hit by her husband and, you know, oh, what a jerk. <laughs> Oh, he's just just mortified. <laughs> just wait until tomorrow night, Jake. Right. And then on top of that, he gets fired over the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't have a claustrophobic vampire. So he's got to go confront uh, Dennis Franz about it. This is where I figured out that he was the vampire <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> like, oh, I guess that makes sense. So the, the film ends with another scene shot from the film and you know you see that he got the part eventually and you know they film a scene using a body double in the shower well that whole scene was originally supposed to be in the beginning but De Palma thought that it would give too much away he's like well wait a second this movie's called body double <laughs> that's a head <laughs> on top of a head <laughs> if i put if i put this body double scene in the beginning maybe they'll think that gloria is a body double. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it works really well too to to close the film with it. That shower scene is the one they're filming when Jake goes to complain about getting fired over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of snuck it in there a little bit, but like he didn't draw a lot of attention to it. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. But Jake, you know. He, he accepts it and he goes back to jack off to his neighbor again. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees there's a, there's a guy like doing welding or something on the satellite dish, which is like, Oh, I was that satellite dish up in the air, like 40, 50 feet. Yeah. I don't know. And so he's just watching this neighbor with his, I guess with his well-trained eyes, you know, no binoculars, <laughs> no telescope. I mean, maybe he's close enough to make enough out, but and I think Jake, because he keeps looking between back and forth between the neighbor and the the dude on the satellite dish, mm-hmm. and uh, he eventually starts to feel gross about peeping. He's like, "Oh, I don't want to be like that guy." <laughs> <laughs> but then I, think the it, next... I think it was a racial. There was a racial connotation to that thought. <laughs> It was 84, so probably. <laughs> Thought he was better than the other peeping Tom. Like that that Indian. That dirty Indian is what he was thinking. 
<laughs> of course, the, the Indian guy drives a Bronco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he almost murders a blonde in it later. And I was like, God, this is just art imitating life, life imitating art. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, he's driving past that house and there's. <laughs> There's some uh, Latino men, some day laborers clearing some some brush. I guess you, I don't, it looked like they cut some uh, trees and they just put the debris in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the deal was, but they were cleaning it up. And like you would think that maybe a maybe a storm came through, but definitely not. Like they they yeah. definitely just threw a bunch of branches in the middle middle of the street, and then they were taking their sweet ass time cleaning it up. <laughs> And uh, while he's waiting, Gloria is leaving her house. And she drives off in front of him, and he can also see, yeah, that Bronco, a block away, kind of in the Indians watching her, and he sees the Indian hop in his Bronco and uh, follow her. So he uh, he tells the the Mexicans to skedaddle and get out of my way, please. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he he chases after her as well, all the way to the mall well she said it was a hotel but it's like a mall it's still like a mall like there's a bunch of stores and shit in it well i thought no the the terrace the beach terrace stuff was the hotel because that's where she was gonna meet like her lover i guess right but she also said you were also following me at the hotel weren't you Mm. so i don't know i guess it's one of the fancy hotels it's like a bunch of other shit too yeah, because uh, this whole scene is very reminiscent of the museum scene in A Dress to Kill. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as the Dress to Kill scene, but I think that's in part because the character is so incompetent, like the Jake character. <laughs> <laughs> and like I, he's he's not smooth like that. Uh, that guy with all the STIs from Dress to Kill. <laughs> <laughs> STDs? VD. That's what VD, VD. STIs. Oh, what's that's, STI? the, that's the modern. That's STI is the modern one. I oh, forgot. They, infection. Yeah. Because uh, I guess they didn't, it was, it's too politically incorrect to call it a disease. Because that's Kevin McAllister. <laughs> Such a disease. Yeah. <laughs> but how did like she had to know jake was following her like he was like fucking five feet behind her the whole time well yeah uh but in in comparing it to the museum scene that scene probably does work better just because there's no dialogue like at all and it's just purely visual right. but i think this one's choreographed better and like the steady cam usage is uh, a lot better, I thought, than um, in Dress to Kill. And I especially love the shot when they arrive and the camera basically circles all the way around the pillar and you see all the characters kind of arrive and move at the same time. Right. And, you know, the Indian doesn't see Jake. Jake doesn't see the Indian, but he sees Gloria and the Indian sees Gloria. And so I think it works really well that way. And this was filmed at a mall. It's called the Rodeo Collection. And a Rodeo Drive there. Uh, still open to this day. It looks pretty similar. It's the exact same. And it's an outdoor mall, or at least, you know, it doesn't have a roof. Right. 
And so that was a lighting nightmare for the crew to try and film this scene. So they came up with an idea to build a gigantic white silk sheet. They draped (laughs) over the entire mall. And because they they filmed it over about a week or so. And of course, the mall wants to you know, stay open as much as they can. Like they, you know, they need to film during the day mm-hmm. and they had like big rollers installed so they could kind of roll the sheet up when they weren't, you know, filming so they can keep the sunlight coming in. But yeah, it just created way too many shadows. Right. Half the mall would be lit and the other half would be in a shadow. Mm-hmm. So like circling that whole mall would be a nightmare with Jake. That's really interesting. That's a, uh... It's a good solution though. Yeah. It just kept the, you know, the, the light nice and soft and even because we know De Palma likes soft lighting. He likes to, likes he to didn't even slather any Vaseline on the, on the <laughs> yeah. lens this time. Like every shot seemed clear. Like it was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know also on the, like Gloria's house was also on a soundstage, like the inside shots. Hmm. And uh, they put a lot of soft lighting in there too, because they wanted the you know women to really glow and pop, and that kind of comes off, uh, especially when um when she's dancing, she it's even like when he's watching, it's a pretty soft uh, light, I think. Right. Which is funny because uh, De Palma actually had these Melanie Griffith and um, I forget her name who played Gloria, as uh, a Dorothy something. Uh, Deborah Shelton. I think. Deborah Shelton. He had them over to his house to like rehearse and they would like practice. Like he would like film or watch through a window. So there, there's these rumors. He said that followed him around for years that he'd always have these actresses like come up to his house and like masturbate for him and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> no, he's just rehearsing with the uh, Melanie Griffith and Deborah Shelton. Just rehearsing. Everyone thought quotes. he was a big perv peeping Tom. <laughs> Yeah, but it's Hollywood, so nobody did anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> just his method. It's just how he does. That's how he works. Right. Speaking of perverts, uh, we get a nice <laughs> shot of uh, Jake peeping on her in the uh, the lingerie shop. What a what a good place for a changing room with a <laughs> uh, curtain that doesn't close all the way. Well, I, th- I thought maybe she just did a half-assed job of closing it. <laughs> well, the uh, the clerk at the store or the sales lady kind of closed it halfway and then she kind of reclosed it, but it was still open. And then like the, uh, the employee, he's just like staring at Jake as he's <laughs> just like, you know, jaw wide open, <laughs> just like drooling as uh, a... <laughs> As he watches her change panties. So like, does he have to look that closely? Like, isn't he worried about, you know, the Indian coming to get her maybe, <laughs> but it's like, there's only one way into that changing room, right? Wasn't like a double door. Well, into so. the changing room. Uh, but he does see the Indian on the other side of the store. Cause there was a, there's another entrance on the outside. Yeah. Which outside he eventually walks room. by. After having security called on him for peeping, <laughs> he walks around to the other side to see if he can find the Indian, uh, who he doesn't catch. 
And then, then he just drives around town following Gloria <laughs> like the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, because they, well, they uh, have a kind of a close encounter in the elevator. He almost says something to her. Uh, the Indian's right outside. Then a bunch oh, of people right. come in. Point. I did like the scene of the Indian running down the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> Probably super awkward because he's wearing those four-inch lifts. <laughs> For sure. That's definitely uh it looks like Herman fucking Munster running down the, down the <laughs> yeah. escalator. I noticed it a lot more uh in the chase sequence in the next scene when he's running down that uh tunnel. Yeah. After he drops the purse and runs off. He's just stomping down the down the hallway. <laughs> so yeah, those are uh definitely some lifts in his boots there. I mean he definitely didn't look like a real person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like it was there's definitely something off about him. Like there's something, <laughs> just something not quite right. He follows her to this uh, supposedly like a hotel. It's like a beach house type thing. It's like Palm Beach Terrace, I think is what it's called. Uh, those are still there. Uh, they're just apartments, I believe. But yeah, hell of an apartment though. Nice view. Right. Of course, it won't be there much longer because hashtag global warming. <laughs> anyways I, I thought it was funny that jake so like they park there's a lot at like the top of the hill and then there's a stairway down and then there's a like a balcony on each level of the stairway and she stops at like the third one down and jake is following her really fucking close because he's not inconspicuous whatsoever and he walks all the way down on the beach and then he just stands on the beach and like clearly in her eye shot, like she can clearly see him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, no, uh, she couldn't because he was wearing camouflage. Did you notice his suit was very sand colored? <laughs> his corduroy suit. He's wearing khaki pants. <laughs> his corduroy, he, wasn't it? That suit was he wearing? It? I, don't remember. I think it was. I forget. It was like, but, a, uh, like a tan suit and khakis. She couldn't see him. That, he's got that sandy blonde hair. Yeah, <laughs> just blended right in. <laughs> Except he's standing next to like those uh looked like Carnival Funhouse or something like plastic like, inflatable houses, like the changing tents. Like they, yeah, they have tents where you change into your swimsuit. <laughs> yeah, they said those weren't there. They just put them there for the movie because they wanted uh, the Indian to have more things to hide behind because the beach is just open. <laughs> so, like while they're talking, you know, he's walking around behind him and it seemed kind of excessive because there's like 20 of them <laughs> yeah. like right in one spot that's probably why <laughs> yeah he finally uh musters up the courage to talk to her he says i think someone's following you it's like yeah it's you <laughs> asshole right <laughs> it's not me he says it he says it's not me <laughs> And then the Indian runs out and snatches her purse and Jake gives chase all the way to this uh, tunnel. And that uh, tunnel's not there today. That uh, there's some artwork and there's like a staircase that goes up. That's still there. But like uh, the tunnel is just like filled in. Well, it's probably a bunch of homeless people living under there. If I've learned anything from Hollywood movies. Yeah. <laughs> it must've just went underneath the, uh... I mean, the freeway can't be right there. It's too close to the beach. 
So I don't know. There's just a regular street. Then it went underneath. But need uh, Michael Douglas to come through with his lunch <laughs> <laughs> and his fucking uh, machine gun. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think that tunnel? That tunnel was pretty big. Like it was dark, but like, do you think that would have triggered his claustrophobia being being in the space? Like it was enclosed, but it wasn't like like a tight space. Yeah, I think it's just the the farther he got into it, you know, then it's you know, I'm so far away now from the outside. It was enough, I guess, because right it starts almost immediately as he's running in, but it's almost a little more gradual, you know. Right. Because he gets about maybe halfway, mm-hmm. but not maybe not quite halfway, but then it just seems like it goes on forever. Like his mind starts playing tricks on him. Mm-hmm. It's halfway um, before the before the fear began to take hold. And then, uh, so the Indian stops. He drops the purse, and uh, he grabs one card and runs off. As we said, very clumsily, the big ass feed. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, Gloria comes and he's like, "Oh, what? Are you okay?" He's like, "No, I'm just uh, I'm shot of breath." But uh, yeah, she she confronts him about why he's following her, mm-hmm. and uh, she has to help him out, of course, because he's so vulnerable. <laughs> she like basically carries him out of there because he was out of breath from running. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you have a clip? Of, do you have a clip of this? I can't remember if this is um, one. Yep, yeah, it is our next clip. All right. Are you all right? Oh, you got away. You got the purse. Well, better check. You got something. You took something. What's the matter? Uh, I'm just a little out of breath. Can you take me out of here? Sure. Here. Thank you. Leads into this big makeout sesh. 
Yeah, instead of answering, he just starts sucking her face. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if that was real or just a fantasy in his head. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's filmed or it's shot like uh, the ending of Blowout. You know, it's got that 360 camera movement. Right. And just keeps on rotating. And uh, it was hard to film because the tunnel right behind him is dark <laughs> and the ocean is bright. So they had to use a green screen. I mean, that, that's kind of what they did with, uh, you know, blowout with the fireworks going off in the background, but. Right. He did a similar shot in Carrie at the prom. Do you remember that where uh, Carrie and her prom date are on the dance floor talking and it literally goes around them like 20 times while they spin in the opposite direction. Yeah. Cause they're dancing, right. And they, they did the yeah. spin thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little nauseating in that scenario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just it just goes on because it's like they get just steady for like a full minute. Yeah, like it's just spinning. Is this but, one's uh, like thirty seconds? This seems, one it seems yeah. like because they're feeling each other up and it's getting very hot and heavy on the beach very quickly for people who supposedly just met for the first time mm-hmm. don't know each other, and like she's like into it. Like this guy's been stalking her all day. And she thinks he might be hired by her husband to like kill her or something. And uh, she's just like, okay. Then again, maybe she didn't feel like she had a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they use another 360 camera shot with, well, I guess kind of. They play this clip again when he's making out with Holly later. But um, I think they also do a little bit of that in the Frankie Goes to Hollywood segment when they're with each other. Yeah. All right. Um. So yeah, then it basically kind of just stops abruptly and she's like, I got to go. (laughs) (laughs) He looks her up in the phone booth or uh, the phone booth in the phone book. Because that's the thing in 1984 is everybody's listed, even if you're a wealthy person who lives in the hills. Mm -hmm. And that's just a a quick little uh, clip we got here for you. Hello, Gloria. Uh, how are you? Uh, maybe you remember me. Um, this is this is Jake. I'm the guy that almost fucked you at the beach today. Oh no, that's terrible. Uh, hi, Gloria. That would be kind of a killer line to to drop on her. I mean, it can't be as like abrupt or out of place as what actually happened. So. <laughs> He seems like the type of guy that would lead off with that. <laughs> He's got nothing to lose now. I almost fucked you on the beach today. He's got no home to go to. Honestly, he sounds like a, a rapist and a stalker. Well, he's, a, he's uh, a sex offender, according to McLean. Oh, man. I can't wait till we get to that clip. <laughs> Detective McLean was, was one of the best characters. <laughs> he's like another cop like in... Uh, and dressed to kill who just like doesn't give a shit but like doesn't want to do his job either so you know he just goes with whatever the easiest uh uh theory is yeah without doing any investigation (laughs) (laughs) this leads into the murder scene because he's uh watching her thinking about calling her and then sam calls him see how things are going yes he does. Little do we know that Sam's actually in the bedroom 
making the call as he's lying in wait to murder her. And so she, who brought her home or she, she went home with somebody or like, well, she came home with a cop and then uh, like he took a statement and then left. Yeah. So I don't know. She reported the, uh, I don't know where her car was. Like, cause she, no, they, they pulled in in separate cars. That's right. Yeah. So like a cop followed her home and then took a statement and then he left. And then um, Jake sees the Indian upstairs kind of messing around, trying to get into the uh, the safe and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, sees her, sees Gloria start going upstairs and uh, he tries to call her and warn her that he's right behind you. And she's like, what? <laughs> And then she gets strangled by the phone cord. Mm-hmm. There's a struggle and he ends up kind of getting knocked out by falling on the uh, drill, right? His head hits the drill. Yeah. I couldn't figure out exactly if she like head butted him or if, uh, cause they kind of fall backward on the bed and he's, he gets knocked out for a second and, uh, she, she starts getting away. Um, and then Jake just, sprints out of his house grabs a couple joggers who can't hear him because they got their fucking headphones on (laughs) fucking joggers um breaks into the house himself and uh he encounters the dog he gets attacked by their dog which was pretty Mm -hmm. hilarious yeah and uh yeah we get a nice driller killer scene straight Mm -hmm. out of slumber party massacre you get a nice that nice phallic shot, like the uh, the poster for Summer Party Massacre. Yep. There was quite a controversy when this film came out. You know, it was hard for it to get an R rating, first of all. And then when it did come out, everyone talks about how misogynistic it is. And, you know, the <laughs> the drill definitely had a big uh, part of that. It's a huge phallic symbol just. Uh, but, <laughs> and like people would, much like Psycho, people would see the movie and they swore that they saw like gore, that they saw actual you know, penetration of the drill or the knife in Psycho's case. Right. We were sure that we saw General Lee get stabbed. And it's like, nope, it's just trick editing. And this one, there isn't really trick editing. They just cut away. And then the drills through the floor and you see the blood come down. Right. So you do see blood, but you don't see any actual drilling. But you don't see the drill go through the body. You see that the drill comes through the ceiling of the the floor below it Mm -hmm. and uh you put two and two together (laughs) (laughs) so you got to do with this movie (laughs) it's very subtle although i think they showed it because she gets a the drill in the back just a little bit earlier and i think they show a little bit of that but like the actual like kill like like you said they cut away i don't even think she's in frame when they show the shot from behind of yeah. uh, their drill coming down between his legs. Right. He somehow still gets away scot free. <laughs> like the Indian just skedaddles out of there. I mean, everyone's preoccupied with the dog, I guess, but. Well, there must be a back door. There must be a, a back way out that somebody yeah. familiar with the house would know about. Indeed. And so this is uh, what we were just mentioning earlier. The cops come to investigate the uh, the crime scene and get some statements. And Detective McLean, he knows what's going on. He doesn't need to 
you know, find another suspect. He's got his man right there, Jake Scully. Mm-hmm. It's our next clip. I'm Detective McClain. I'm in charge of this investigation. I see you're an actor. Yeah. Ever been in anything? Emerald Point and a heart-to-heart was pretty good. Very interesting. You make a living? Yeah. Good-looking boy? Talented? Scully, I got a real problem with you. What do you mean? I mean, you're my only witness to this murder, and you're a peeper. In my book, that's a pervert and a sex offender. What do you mean, sex offender? Save it. I asked the question. What about this Indian? When he starts your pocketbook, you got it back for him, is that right? That's right. Was anything missing? Well, I, I saw him take a credit card. Not a credit card, a card key, Scully. He used it to get into her house. Oh. Did Gloria know it was missing? I don't know. She didn't say anything to me. You talked to her? Well, come on, Scully. You must have said something. Well, uh, it was just small talk, you know. No, I don't know. Did you come on to her? Maybe you were trying to do a number on her head. Trying to freak her out with all you know about her oh, private no, life. No, you're wrong. Then why were you following Gloria Ravel? Because I got concerned when I saw that guy following her. But Scully, you kept on her tail even after this other guy I disappeared. Know. I know, because I guess I, I wanted to. You wanted to what? Nothing. What's this? Pants, some underpants. Yours? No. Where'd you get them? She, uh, she dropped them in the trash. Who? Gloria. And you just picked him up? Yeah. Why? Come on, Scully, tell the truth. You fucked her and you kept him for a souvenir. No. No what? No, you didn't fuck her? No, you didn't keep him as a no souvenir? No to both of them. Oh, maybe you're just a harmless panty sniffer, is that it? Oh, you got a dirty mind. That's a laugh. You peep on her, you follow her, you fuck her, you keep her little panties as a memento, and then you take a seat on a 50-yard line and watch her being caught. You're everything around. That's not what happened. I tried to save her. <laughs> and you just picked him up. <laughs> like he, goes, he says, what are these? And he, says, he pulls them out of his pocket. There's some, there's some pants, some underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,
we kind of glossed over that. So she she bought new panties at the at the ball after he peeped at her mm-hmm. trying them on, and she put the old ones in a bag and then dropped them in the trash as she was uh, getting her car from valet. And Jake just plucked them out and put them in his pocket because that's a normal thing for to, uh, him to do. <laughs> like he looks really guilty, <laughs> like for real. Yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't actually take him in. <laughs> sure, an Indian. I believe you. Unless you bite. can say that the, the two joggers saw the drill coming through the ceiling as uh, Jake was on the ground, so he couldn't have done it. But that's about the only thing I can think of. Yes. But there's also implication that Jake was in conspiracy you know to commit the murder like she rejected him or something like that Mm -hmm. so jake gets pretty depressed so he decides to drink some jack daniels and watch some porn (laughs) on his rotating bed (laughs) (laughs) and uh, a commercial for holly does hollywood comes on which is the gone with the wind of adult films (laughs) Yes, so they that, say that's that's what they say that's what they tell me and uh you know this is holly body is uh doing a dance that he's very familiar with and so he needs to find out more so he goes to the his local video store to rent holly does hollywood the guy asked him uh vhs half inch or three quarter now i didn't get that was that like a reel to reel video that he's talking about I, that's what I assumed. So how many people had real to real? <laughs> well, that was like, well, in 84, it was probably. I mean, I know VHS was still going out of style at the at that time, point. but yeah. But I, that was like the way you watched home movies back then was the yeah. real to real. But I mean, I knew that, but I just, maybe I just severely underestimate how many people actually had that because that was the only way to have it. Yeah, it was interesting that they had it in that many different formats, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it was that popular, right? Like, he asked for it by name, and the guy's like, I know exactly what you need. <laughs> Follow me. I mean, you never hear about people having the Godfather on reel to reel, you know? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it was common to have home movies until VHS came around or beta or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but See, I, I thought I, I expected I assume, to say beta, you know, VHS or beta. Well, you know, know if you watched I Love the 80s, you would know that porn didn't do beta because beta like had a morality complex and VHS is like, fuck it. Yeah, we'll do porn. Indeed. <laughs> and that's why we had VHS. Well, no, I already knew all this because of Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Jay Baruchel <laughs> explains everything perfectly. <laughs> My Blu-ray was <laughs> made it over HD DVD, basically. Yes. But um, I figured maybe they would just offer in all the formats because it was still because beta, I don't know for sure, but it seemed like maybe it still had like a fighting chance in 84, but maybe right. it was, maybe it was already kind of phased out. I mean, I know TV studios and like everyone still used beta, but for home video, it was all VHS. Maybe it was from like 82 onward or something maybe, but well, they might've still had beta back then, but if beta refused to distribute porn on its uh yeah on its format that that would be an explanation for 
why Holly does Hollywood was not on beta. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that video store clerk, he was, uh, you know, he was working overnight shift and uh, Jake comes in. He says, I need Holly does Hollywood right now. And uh, he's like, come out with me. We're going to the adult section. What, what do you need? And uh, Jake gets back and he does some research. He fast forwards it to the, the part and then he rewinds it and then he rewinds it and then he rewinds it. <laughs> I'm just speculating here, but this was before the internet. So <laughs> he gets this great idea to go audition for hardcore pornography. <laughs> this is how I can meet Holly. <laughs> it was just that easy. Mm-hmm. We knew that Cordero Patterson clip. Maybe it's just that easy. <laughs> it's just that easy. <laughs> what did you say, Cordero? Nobody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Colombian from Scarface hires him almost sight unseen. <laughs> I mean, he wow. basically gets a look at him, and that's about it. That's all you need. Well, He's got a pretty face, right? He reads lines with them and then he, he wants to get some naked pictures. And uh, <laughs> Jake's like, this is normal. I, I need to know <laughs> this is, this is for the greater good. This is for you, Gloria <laughs> doing this for you. But I don't think he uh, performs in front of him. I mean, he doesn't uh, stand at attention for him. Well, they cut away before. Cause, cause he's like reads the lines and he's like, okay, you're, you're fine with that. Let's, take your clothes off on and take some pictures and then they cut and all of a sudden he's in a Frankie goes to Hollywood music video for the song relax mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite parts of the movie uh, just phenomenal uh, big 80s guys so it's a pretty cool song to put on here and juxtapose it with like the music video quality of it which apparently was a way for them to try and promote the film through MTV a Columbia executive had reached out to De Palma because he was a big fan of his and said, uh, Hey, here's a game with this record. Frankie goes to Hollywood. You know, maybe you can do something with that. And they do with this sequence. And apparently it was uh, too hot for TV for, <laughs> for the uh, Columbia executives and for MTV. So uh, they ended up not using it. I mean, for the music video. Is it, well, I don't know if you'd call it nudity because you see Melanie Griffith's butt, but she's wearing like a thong underwear, I guess. Right. And she doesn't take her top off, but yeah. it was just too hot for TV, I guess. Well, I've also heard that that song is uh, specifically about masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> when you want to come? Relax. Don't do it. When you want to come, do it. Relax. Don't do it. <laughs> When, when you want to come. <laughs> they sold a bunch of t-shirts off that song, though. Frankie says, relax. <laughs> well, like, he's a he's like a nerd at a at a nightclub. And, like, the singer is, like, taking him around the club. And he eventually gets backstage to where Holly Body is hanging yeah. out. She's in the, uh, where the sluts are. <laughs> It's the bathroom right, for yes. the women and nerds for the men. I like to watch. <laughs> what he, that was his line. I like to watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like that, <laughs> like that swinging door shot. 
you can kind of see her dancing. And then uh, there's a mirror on the door. So you can see the cast and crew. Yeah. I mean, not the cast, but well, I mean, you see the crew, the DP and whatnot. Which is kind of cool because it like, like you said, it plays out like a music video up until that point and then like it breaks the illusion like because mm-hmm. he he's kind of like peeking in behind this door and you see holly in the mirror and then like he slides in and the door closes and there's like the camera and the director and everybody else mm-hmm. and then you like you snap out of it like oh yeah this is just a fucking like production they break that fourth wall and he just gets to fuck holly body <laughs> 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 Uh yeah, it comes inside, so no cum shot. Much to the chagrin of the filmmakers, but we're doing a cum shot. Why? Why didn't he do the cum shot? So yeah, then afterward he uh, turns into uh, Slick Jake, (laughs) (laughs) pretends to be like a producer type, like he's got a movie for her. He's pretending to be a hardcore porn producer, but he doesn't know anything about the industry. And she's just like, she can smell it from a mile away. Like, this guy's full of shit. Um, mm-hmm. Except for when he says, uh, you have a nice smile. And then, like, he wins her over. She's like, oh, he really cares about me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs> this guy who got into the porn industry today just to have sex with me. <laughs> yeah, he takes her up to the, the chemosphere. Was that, that was after the, was that before or after the party? Must have been well, after the it was after the party that they go to. Was right? it a party or I thought they were leaving the, the restaurant or the bar and they ran into somebody that Jake knew from like legit. It was somebody's house. Like they were at a house party. No, I think it was like the lot, it was like the waiting area of okay. the restaurant. Because they were on their way out and somebody else was on the way in. And I thought that scene was hilarious. Yeah. Where uh like this actress is like, hey, do you know of any roles? And Holly's like, oh, yeah, I'll get you all kinds of shit. Just, you know, do you like girls? <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll work with girls. Like, oh, I can't do it. It, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'll uh, give your name to, uh, I think she says something like Simon Lazar. Do you know him? Uh, no. Do you live on planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> How do you not know him? They don't realize they're from two totally different circles but they're like they're just like confused why the, the other doesn't know what the uh, what they're talking about i just thought it was a little weird so right after the break he goes to hollywood you know they just had sex uh he goes you know he shows up looking suave and he goes hey how about a drink and she's like a drink i don't even know you <laughs> like, what <laughs> you say this now after what you just did the nature of the business. <laughs> it's like Julia Roberts, <laughs> not on the lips, and, and a pretty woman. Too personal. <laughs> Drink is too that, personal for Holly Body. I think that's Ice Cube's line. Is it not on the lips? That you might, <laughs> you might taste like dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh boy! Yeah. So he takes her back to the uh, the chemosphere, as he said. And uh, this is where he starts uh, kind of blowing his cover, right? He admits he's not a producer. And she's like, I knew I knew it that you weren't a producer because you didn't know what a cum shot was. Which is <laughs> <laughs> weird because he seemed like quite the connoisseur. You'd think he would have known mm-hmm. all the ins and outs. 
Yeah, she uh, storms off. And uh, what happens? What does he do next? I forget. Well, he gets a call from Sam as she's about to leave, and he he's asks her that's if right. uh, if that's the guy who hired her. To, oh yeah, uh, dance mm-hmm. next door, and she confirms it. Yep. So this is kind of where you start putting the pieces together. I guess. Yep. She was hired to dance as Gloria, and then uh, she confirms that Sam's the one that hired her, and then you start putting two and two together, and well, Sam was behind all of this. Yeah, this is, uh, I believe, our next clip, right, where he calls McLean yes. try and blow the lid off this conspiracy. McLean isn't having any of it. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was set up. Scully. Oh, yeah. Hollywood's busiest sex offender. Hey, cut it out, will you? Just listen to me for a minute, because I got something important to tell you. I know who killed Gloria Ravel. Is this a confession? No! Listen. Just pay attention, all right? A few days ago, I was looking for an apartment. Do you by any chance know any subbuts that would be available right away? No, I'll check around. And I noticed this guy, Sam Bouchard. And he was looking for somebody who needed a place to stay. And I, I thought it was a coincidence that we kept running into each other all the time. Jake. Hi. Hi. Again. <laughs> anyway, now I realize he was throwing out a net. He was sizing me up for a part that he was casting. I want you to cry out for help. I can't. And I fit the bill perfectly, boy. Lovesick sucker out on his ass. Shit, what a fool I am. And you know what the part was? I'm listening. The part of the witness. He told me that there was this neighbor that did this little number on herself every night. Whoa, whoa. And he knew that I would look. Nice, huh? Yeah. He knew that I would keep looking. And it wasn't Gloria, it was Holly doing a routine. That's why I never saw her face. Scully. You sound like one of those conspiracy nuts. Plots all around you. Please, just listen to me for a second. Sam Bouchard is Alexander Ravel. You see, he hired the Indian to follow Gloria and snatch her purse and steal the card key to her house and then sneak inside. And then when she got home, the Indian opened the blind so that I could see him kill her. Alexander Ravel set me up in this house to witness the murder. And he hired a porno actress to be the bait. Yeah, he chases after Holly, right? Who just got picked up by, well, she's hitchhiking, but Sam Bouchard picks her up, dressed as the Indian. Yeah, she witnesses an accident. And then, uh, yeah, he comes and picks her up. On Mulholland Drive, no less, I'm guessing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And uh, it's funny, right? Because, uh, because Jake goes after her and they're all lined up waiting to, to get past this accident because the cops have the road blocked. And uh, Jake sees fucking Sam just pull up a tire iron and crack Holly in the head in the passenger <laughs> seat. And he's trying to tell the cop and the cops, she's like, get back in your car, buddy. I don't, he doesn't want to hear about it. But uh, Sam drives off and Jake runs off after him they end up at this reservoir and uh it must have took a while to get there because uh sam dug an entire grave uh in the <laughs> meantime <laughs> never thought about that 
<laughs> and uh <laughs> and holly's still twitching like she's not dead yeah like, like her arm moves or whatever but she's still like unconscious or like mm-hmm. you know out of it um and it was funny because uh jake tries to sneak up on them but the dog is in the back of the bronco and it it turns out it was sam's dog the entire time and uh it blows his cover and so we get the the nice fight between those two guys see uh that was one thing that threw me off i didn't get what they were saying at the end um when jake was trying to explain why the dog uh jumped on uh sam but he didn't jump on him in the in the house no he was saying that the dog attacked jake but not the indian yeah because the dog knew that the indian was sam so he was sam's dog yeah and so so why did the dog attack sam at the end then did he attack sam at the end i don't remember well because that's that's what knocks him into the the water because jake's still in the grave no because jake popped out of the grave and uh the dog came rushing over and jumped at jake and jake ducked okay i thought he was still like uh in the grave because the dog jumps over him i have to watch it again but i thought he didn't get out because they're struggling with the shovel and shit and yeah the dog broke out and because i didn't think he was out of the out of the grave yet so he was the dog was trying to protect sam and it fucking missed and ended up taking him out i'll have to watch it again but um yeah, he falls into the uh, the aqueduct, another famous L.A. thing, much like the house in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> yep. They had to build that on set as well. Just some outside shots they filmed on location, but the lighting, like they couldn't light the whole mountain like they thought they could, and then like, no, that's not going to work. And so they kind of built that on a soundstage, like the aqueduct and the, and the grave, and they're like, oh, shit. We can't really raise the whole aqueduct and grave. So they dug, like they jackhammered the floor of the <laughs> of the studio, which I guess had never really been done before. So they could put the grave uh, down in there and then a little bit of the aqueduct because it was very shallow. They just put a little bit of water and I guess they used some like tinfoil to make right. it look, make it look the, real. The grave was pretty deep, though. Like st- they were standing up in it, you know, and there was, it was yeah. probably at least like five feet. Yeah, uh, when there's the shot of him looking up, and it's like fifty feet, right? You know, when he's when he's kind of imagining it, and the yeah. claustrophobia setting in. Uh, they actually built that. Uh, I'm not sure if it was like thirty feet or something or forty feet, but uh, Greg Henry talked about filming that scene because they built that set and they had to tie him to like a steel cable at the top and mm-hmm. the camera's all the way at the bottom and he had to you know say those lines down that so they did build a very deep grave <laughs> so i'm guessing they had two graves one that was you know 40 feet and it was probably more like 20 but right and then one regular one but yeah this is so, a really interesting scene though like the way they uh like he's stuck in the grave you know frozen with fear like we said earlier and then it it actually cuts back to that original scene at the start of the movie but he doesn't have the the, the makeup, makeup no. on yeah 
and uh, he eventually overcomes his fear, which was pretty sweet. Uh, redemption for him. Mm-hmm. That was I thought that was really interesting because that's another one where it's like, wait a minute, how much of this is actually real? Yeah. Like, was this all a movie to begin with? And then it's like, no, he's just imagining it. And anyways, I think you have a clip from this scene, though. Um, yeah. It's our so last clip. Let's, let's listen to that. Uh, look what you did. You ruined my surprise ending. I gave you your part. A witness. You were perfect. Played it to a team. But that was it. End of part. Rap Jake Scully. Oh no. You had to play the hero. He improvised all this crap about finding the body double, unmasking the Indians. You didn't think it through, did you, Jake? Sometimes heroes come to tragic ends. What's the matter, Jake? A little short of breath? What a terrible way to die. Especially when you're so claustrophobic. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna give you another take, Jake. Only problem is... It's a great blend there of uh, of uh, illusion or fiction and reality. You're not really 100% sure what's real. Right. Uh, but then we get to the, the scene at the end was the credits roll. It's the body double scene in the vampire's kiss and how they shoot that, which is pretty interesting to see. And we see that Holly is um, on set. You can tell she probably set up the body double. She knows some people like that. <laughs> <laughs> So it seems like her and, you know, Jake hit it off. They're at least working together. It took some convincing her that uh, she didn't even know where, like, the the Indian or Sam had gone when she wakes up. But she She thinks it's just Jake there still. (laughs) Yeah, she thought Jake had uh, tried to kill her (laughs) and that he had dug the grave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, I just pulled up the scene with the dog and... uh, like Sam was calling for the dog. Jake was standing up in the grave and Sam was calling for the dog to come get him. And as the dog came in, Jake ducked down into the grave and the dog just jumped over it and took out Sam. Okay. So he was so, standing in the grave and I thought, well, this dog took this huge jump. <laughs> <laughs> like the dog was way too overzealous and he, he missed completely. <laughs> took them both out. I also wanted to mention the the score. I mean, obviously, there's that fun soundtrack song with the Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but there's the there's a one part of the score that you hear over and over again every time there's a you know naked dancing going on, basically, which is kind of funny, like how many times you actually hear it. But there's some other really good uh, score in this film as well, and it's I don't think we mentioned them 
his name in the past episodes, but the composer was Pino Dinaggio. Uh, he also did the uh, music for Just a Kill and Blowout. Uh, he's also worked on Grindhouse, which is something more recent that we both know. But uh, you could tell that um, he worked with De Palma quite a bit. And uh, yeah, because it seems like all of his scores were really great. Like we talked yeah. about the music in the last couple, but thought we needed to mention his name. For sure. This is fantastic. I love the score in this movie. I did, I did especially enjoy the one that played every time that Jake was getting horny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, like it, it plays every time he's looking through the, the telescope at uh, Gloria's dancing. Mm-hmm. It was playing at the mall when he was watching her change. <laughs> it starts playing when he's uh when he's uh thinking about making out with her you know it's like he, like he said every time he he gets uh you know a little turned on like that's that's the theme music <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a little more of the the mystery type uh soundtrack with it uh you know in other parts of the movie but Definitely a great score. The the scene in the mall where they're they're following each other has a great uh, great musical accompaniment accompaniment with it. Yeah, and the chase on the beach got some serious like eighty slasher vibes from it. <laughs> Definitely worth mentioning. Anything else you want to mention before we get into fun facts? I don't think so we we went pretty in depth on this one yeah we, uh, we really dug all the way in there really drilled in uh, <laughs> drilled down to the the depths we penetrated this movie deeply <laughs> hey everybody here's some fun facts so according to imdb brian de palma originally planned for this to be the first hollywood film to boast unsimulated sex scenes the studio thought differently. Vincent Gallo, uh, <laughs> he achieved that feat. <laughs> I've heard that was 100% consensual and not in any way weird. Yeah, nobody had any second thoughts later. <laughs> he definitely didn't write that movie just to have sex with the <laughs> actress. <laughs> it seemed like James Franco was trying to follow in his footsteps. <laughs> James Franco aimed too low, <laughs> age-wise. Here's a fun fact. Um, so the Frankie Goes to Hollywood relax rock clip porno film sequence features penthouse pinup centerfold Lindsay Freeman, who is billed as Alexandra Day, adult film star actresses Annette Heaven, who or Annette Haven, who is uncredited, and Carol Lott, who is billed as Pamela Weston. And horror movie scream queen Brink Stevens. Here's a fun fact. In the, in the novel version of American Psycho, Body Double is one of Patrick Bateman's favorite movies, and he's rented it over 37 times. Interesting. So we talked about Hitchcock and his influence on De Palma's films. Obviously, with this one again, through a window and whatnot, but I don't think we mentioned Vertigo. How that's a little similar with uh, the claustrophobia aspect of this. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but that's a good point. And um, also in here, it says a frenzy, which I haven't seen, but you just assigned to me or challenged me rather to watch. Yes. 
So is there something like that in Frenzy? Maybe the sex crime part. Okay. Well, I look forward to Frenzy. <laughs> it's, it's about a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say it right after I say that. <laughs> I want to go on fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another fun fact. Kurt Russell was considered for the role of Scully. Although I think he was just way too much of a Chad. They couldn't cast him. (laughs) The last part wasn't in here, but I should edit this IMDb page. Because only 12 of 26 found that interesting. And I think if I added a little, it would get those likes up. Right. Sadly, this is the fifth and final, as of August 2015, of five collaboration that makes sense fifth and final of five caliber collaborations between dennis franz and brian de palma the films are blowout the fury scarface body double and dress to kill Mm -hmm. why they didn't list them in chronological order is beyond (laughs) me so uh many of the uh right scene from the earlier film noir Hollywood thriller Body Heat was used for many of the test auditions. Yep. Saw them talking about that in the uh, special features. Here's another fun fact. Uh, this is the first of a three-picture deal at Columbia for Brian De Palma after his success with Scarface. However, this film was received so poorly that the studio canceled the other two films. Oof. Mm-hmm. That's uh. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a marketing thing. Yeah. Maybe it was too much, too much sex stuff in there. Kind of scarily audiences. I mean, I know this film wasn't a big hit when it came out. I mean, it has a budget of 10 million and its worldwide gross was 8.8. So it was a box office bomb and the critics didn't really care for it. I mean, some did, but a lot of them criticized the, uh, either the, the violence, the sex, or the, you know, just saying that it's a, Hitchcock copy, whatnot. Hitchcock ripoff. Mm-hmm. So, but it's definitely uh, been reappraised over the past couple of decades and uh, become somewhat of a cult film. And uh, I mentioned to you that um, the woman in the window feels like it borrows from this movie quite a bit. That's another one that feels like a uh, definitely an homage to Hitchcock, but it might also include some of the Palma stuff in there too. And that came out this year with Amy Adams. Yeah. It was supposed to be in theaters in 2020 and then it debuted on Netflix earlier this year. Okay. So it's on Netflix. Yeah. I think I, uh, I rated it on the show. I gave it at least an eventually. Okay. I, I really, uh, I really liked it. I was surprised how, how much I liked it. It was, mm. uh, you know, it was kind of in a line of other movies that are similarly adapted from uh, recent novels. And uh, that one was a big step up in quality. Okay, so there is another connection to the Slumber Party Massacre as Brinky Stevens is in this. Now I'm going to see what Brinky Stevens played in Slumber Party. Well, I, yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, I. <laughs> I may have mispronounced her name, um, but I didn't know she was in Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, Linda. She played Linda in Slumber Party Massacre. 
Is Linda the main one? No. No. I don't even know if she got killed. <laughs> I think so. Maybe she got maybe she was one of the early ones before the actual party. That'll give me another reason to watch it again. All right. Uh, I think that'll about do it for fun facts. Is there anything else for fun no, facts? No, I, I think we're good. Okay. All right. Well, why don't you tell the folks at home how they can check out some of our lovely merchandise? They can go to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. You can check out our merchandise, buy a little something for you. You know, the holiday season is coming up. Maybe sure is. Maybe buy some gifts for your friends. Spread your love of WTM with everybody that you love. All right. Well, you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie and Brett at positivelywolf1. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case. Where's your cum shot? Huh? Cum shot? The cum shot. I thought we're doing body talk here, not last tango.